Oh, it's been a long time since we had the sports jerks, the original sports jerks, Andrew Patterson, Jeremy Johnson, on the freestyle. But that's exactly what you just stumbled into, everybody. This is your quick intro. Celtics are about to close out the Bucks in a masterpiece seventh game. And uh, we're talking Celtics, we're talking Bruins, which means we can probably avoid talking Red Sox, which was the dreaded, if necessary, of this, if necessary, weekend. Theme song's coming your way. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Filibuster, filibuster, freestyle. All right, theme song in the book. I got the guys on the FaceTime here in the studio. First, Andrew Patterson on headphones today. Andrew, big time for you, my friend. It is. It's uh, uh, long-time listeners will know my tendency to to walk, which distracts Gavin, uh, and he will not be distracted by it today. Perfect. And then, Jeremy Johnson, are you in the Subaru Sound Booth or not? Oh, yeah. I'm in the Subaru Sound Booth under a tree at the grocery store parking lot, about to go in and load up for the week. West Coast living. You get to watch the Celtics. It's only 3.32 West Coast time. And here we go. We had two Game 7s in 24 hours in the Boston market. One was down in Raleigh, North Carolina for the Bruins last night. It did not go well for the Bruins. We'll get into that. But mercifully, the Celtics role players decided to set a franchise record for made threes today. And your Boston Celtics are rolling through. I'm going to get to Jeremy first because I know Jeremy's watched all the Celtics playoff games available to him. And then I want to bring Andrew Patterson and his wonderful journey to the Celtics as well. But Jeremy, how are we feeling after Game 7 when the Celtics blew a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter? And how are we feeling now? And, and just take me through where, you, where you're at today, baby. It's just so satisfying. Mm. You know, a few, a few quick points. Like, the Ime and the Celtics set this up. The Game 7 home court potential advantage against the Bucks, and then to play the uh, Nets in the first round. And it all came to fruition which is really satisfying when a nice plan comes together like that but um so many of the complaints that i and many celtics fans have had about the team over the years have always had this caveat of like well they're young or they're figuring it out or if this guy can do this or that guy can do that and like this whole well this last you know since basically january early january we've watched this team become the team that you thought they could be sure and the um the guys that brad picked up at the trade deadline and the guys that have been developed within the system this is like you know we've been fortunate to watch a lot of different championship teams and all the different sports this is my favorite version when you have the guys that you are homegrown Mm -hmm. that you've watched be young and and you know screw-ups and but you see like you see like they've almost got it and then you mix it with the right the right mix of like you know you throw in an Al Horford or you throw in a Mitch Moreland or you throw in you know the the right guys to get that young roster over the hump and then you watch the young guys become what you always hoped they could become it's happening right now Jason Tatum in this game, he got hosed on that foul call, and then he spent, you know, most of the fourth quarter uh, or most of the third quarter yep, on the bench third because quarter, yeah. they didn't have to because he they were they were winning without him. So why put him out there? He's the closer. But um, 
he he's just so calm with the ball. He's fine. Like this whole like your turn, my turn thing that was going on with Brown for the last several years, that's gone. They, they understand how to move the ball. They they dribble, drive, penetrate. They kick to the open man. They they include make their teammates better. All the cliches that we've been begging for from this guy, while we simultaneously cower in fear that we're going to get abandoned by a star player again. Yep, it's all happening this off season, and it's happening with the guys that came up together. Yeah, for sure. And. It's just so satisfying. I'm just so proud of them, and I just enjoy it so much. Yeah, it's it's what's great. Yeah, it's what the whole like hired gun thing. Like, and I really loved 08 because 08 felt like we better do this thing because who knows how long this is gonna stick together. Yeah, like this is like this is different. Yeah, this is homegrown. This is homegrown for yeah, sure. These are our guys. Yeah. So, so Andrew, um, you've been on Twitter. Kind of dipping your toe in and out of, hey, everybody, should I jump on the Celtics bandwagon now and now and now? And the good news for you, I would think, is number one, the Red Sox, besides maybe the last two or three days, have given you not much to be excited about yet. Unfortunately, the Bruins, who are your favorite winter team, are, are, are out. But also, you watched today, so and they won. So now you're already in, so it's not your fault if something goes wrong because you joined for Game 7. So how's it feeling for you to have your sports universe kind of completely upside down as of last night? And then, you know, of course you're a Boston guy, so you got to be rooting for the hometown team. So where are you at, man? Well, everything Jeremy just said about why the Celtics are easy to root for is true. This whole time I wasn't watching the Celtics wasn't that this was a team that you can't root for Correct. or guys that, that aren't fun. It was simply, I, I do not like the NBA. It is the one sport I can watch where the referees make me yearn for Major League Baseball umpires. <laughs> Fair. And it's it's a tough sport to watch when you're not watching it all the time because you watch people who watch all the time just get constantly infuriated with, with, with calls. Um, and so that kept me out as much as anything else. And then there was the idea, am I going to jinx it, right? I think I said that on Twitter once. Am I going to be the guy that jinxed this? That's all except this is a bandwagon run. I'm not a Celtics guy. I don't think I watched a single regular season game. I'll follow them on Twitter. I know what's happening with them, but I don't I don't watch. Yeah. Um, and so certainly I was not going to have Jason Tatum in a post-game interview be like, you know, this is going really well until Andrew Patterson tuned in on his couch in Walpole, Massachusetts, and it just changed our whole vibe. Yeah, fair, um, because frankly, their vibe was changed in January to the positive, and you definitely didn't want to be that guy. That on- switched it back. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. That, that, that put it in worse. Yeah. So um, what a fun, I mean, as much as I dislike the league, and, and I think it is way too individually player-driven, what a fun game seven that was. Absolutely. and it's What a fun game seven. Yeah, and it, it's almost like... I'll be honest, like, they blew the lead I mentioned a few minutes ago in Game 5, which when they won Game 4. They blew four, two games. They won well, six. They correct. Six they went 6-1 six and one in this series to go 4-3. and three. I totally agree with you. But Game 1, I, you know, you know, Game 1, okay, I get it. You know, you played a tough series against the Nets, but not really. And the Bucks played at a higher level. But then, yeah, when they, when they came back and tied it in Milwaukee in Game 4, I said to myself, okay, well, we already dropped our game at home, and we shouldn't have. What could possibly go wrong with two chances to close it out? And then, of course, we see what happens in Game 5. So I said to Cindy Harrington the other night, 
we had a little staycation to kind of, you know, the final, final trip before the baby comes. And uh, we were watching the Celtics, of course, Friday night. But I said, listen, I'm not even going to worry about this thing until the fourth quarter because, you know, even if they win, they haven't won a game at home since game whatever, three. And nobody in this series can win a home game. So anyway, for them to win it, and then game seven is game seven. And then obviously the first quarter was a little bit of a mess. But the Bucks shot like 20% or less from three. And then their strategy, which they never changed, and J.J. Put, pointed this out, was to just let the Celtics role players, who were absolutely setting records for three-pointers in the history of the Celtics, just keep shooting wide-open three-pointers. Um, yeah, I mean, I, bull I, strategy. I said this in a- I said it in a text to you. I don't. I don't watch. I don't watch the game that much. But it seems to me like, hey, this guy's about to set the record, franchise record for threes in a playoff game. Let's keep. Let's let him keep going. He's a poor choice. Exactly. Well, they, you know, they won a championship with this model. Correct. You, Play the odds. You basically take away everything inside the arc, and you dare people to shoot threes. And you figure, unless you're dealing with, you know, some special teams. It's going to work on your advantage when you've got Giannis and, and well, Middleton in theory. And yeah, yeah, right. Holiday. But, you know, like, Andrew, you're talking about the NBA being an individual-driven sport. Basketball, you can see tonight, it's a nice microcosm of why it kind of has to be, but also how it can be a team sport. The Celtics are playing excellent team basketball. They're like the Avengers versus, you know, uh, Thanos and, like... <laughs> They're flying all around, five of them, and Giannis is just, like, knocking people over and gliding over everyone. But at the end of the game, you need that guy who's got the stones. Like, you watch teams and players on these teams just, like, melt when the pressure's on. They pucker up. They start dribbling the air out of the ball. They can't hit the, they can't hit the shot anymore. And then you get the ball to a guy like Jason Tatum, and he's, like, just everything kind of slows down for him. He's not, he's not moving that hard fast. He's like, and, and he's making the shots, he's making the passes. And that's why it is an individual sport because not everyone's got the chops right. to do what needs yeah. to be done when the game is on the line. Yeah. Very few people do in the league at any given time, Never mind you know, the course of history, there's, there's only so many guys who have been able to do it at the highest level in the history of the league. Yeah. And it seems like Tatum's, on his way, which is cool, because again, he's drafted by the team even better. This the other thing that's cool about this, and this goes to any you know anybody who's been a fan of any team. But you know, when you think about Red Sox runs, even guys like JD Drew, JD Boo, and in, in in 2007 hitting a 60 million dollar grand slam against the Indians in the ALCS, like you don't get to a title. And I'm not saying I'm not going to put the Celtics there yet. Obviously, a lot of work to be done. But it's it's you know Al Horford had a throwback singular playoff performance in, in, in a must-win road game, you know, he was never going to do that again. But the fact that he did it one night and then played solid in the other six games. Tonight, Williams, and then when Williams finally cooled off for a, like a slightly from like 100 degrees to 98 degrees from three, you know, there you go with my man Peyton. And, and tell you what, Jeremy, you're tweeting in all caps about Peyton, and I think you were about a minute behind us on the feed. Um, just... <laughs> Oh, amazing, amazing, because I'm like, yeah, I know. And you're like, guys, guys! And it's just wonderful for you to be surprised after I already knew what happened. So anyway, I just love that this team is showing us a little bit of that. Yes, we need this. We need a superstar and a half in the NBA to have any shot to make the finals or win the finals. But you've got guys who are coming through when they have their moment, which, again, is like 
that's what made the Red Sox team so fun when they win. The, the Patriots teams that have been team first, you know, guys like Kyle Van Noy who come back after leaving and maybe win another one, just like, you know, Big Al coming back after Kyrie was gone. You could tell Big Al was like, I am out of Boston. I can't deal with the drama. And then he was in Philly, and he's like, just kidding. <laughs> and then he was put up the pasture in Oklahoma City. And playing power forward. And then he got he basically got a year off. Yeah, got his body right. That yeah. Thunder that Thunder medical staff, which is really well known and well regarded. But you know, it's like we we've been saying for years, like, well, oh, the Celtics need more shooters. Like, they're gonna shoot this many threes. Like, we can't have Marcus Smart being a, a volume shooter. Like, we can't. Correct. We need guys like Peyton Pritchard to be a guy that you can actually play. Which for half the half the season you put him out there and anytime he's out there the other team is just targeting him because he just could not contribute on defense at all kind of like Grayson Allen which is like about as satisfying of a thing as there is to see whenever he's on, on the court playing defense and like anyone who's got him, like Jason uh, Tatum um, Jalen Brown even Grant Williams is like oh, give me the ball give me the ball <laughs> yeah give right. me the ball like, and they just they, they get it and then you see like Allen just falling over himself, trying to get in their way, and just—it's just so. I just enjoy so much when these these star, you know, um, dicks from college get humbled in the league. Yeah, they spend, they spend their whole yeah. life in the, the prep school life, and then they go to the major program and they play in a in an undersized, um, under talented, um, you know, NCAA. And they're on TV every day, and everyone's talking about them. And they have a they have a tournament where they're the you know the the taste of the nation. And then they come into the league, and they're a rotation player at best. And they're just getting like targeted, hunted, like, hunted, guys, absolutely hunted. Give him the ball, just yeah, just exploiting that mismatch over and over. Absolutely and over. hunted here, and that's what makes the Celtics so special. Is you really can't hunt anybody, at least not the starters. And they can. And, you know, and, and, and honestly, two, go ahead. Sorry. Well, they've got two types of lineups they can trot out there. They're they're equally as effective. They can put four guards out with um, with a Al Horford playing center, or they can go with like a you know a large lineup where Marcus Smart plays a lot bigger than his height. Yep. he's your small guy, and they can kind of switch seamlessly back and forth. And they have redundancies there. Like Jalen Brown can do like a poor man's Jason Tatum for a quarter at a time here and there. Derek White can do a poor man's Marcus Smart yep, here yep, and there. Yep. Like, you know, Al Al Horford and, and uh, Robert Williams and and Tice. And, uh, and Tice can all kind of like do some of the same things, but they they have things that they overlap, things that they don't. So like, it's a really like well constructed roster for the first time that we could say in a long time because the Celtics have been unevenly constructed for a while, and like Ainge's like he deserves almost as much credit. Yes. Stevens for this roster right now. Yes. But maybe even more, really, if you talk about foundational pieces. But, like, he never really put together those those last couple pinches of salt and, like, a bay leaf. You know, he was never quite there. Yeah, man, good, good coming through with the analogy. But but you're right. I mean, Tice came back. He was gone. Stevens brought him back. Brought back Horford to get rid of Kemba, to get rid of Kemba you know, in, in his contract. Oh, so just getting rid of Kemba. Getting off that contract there, was a phenomenal move. And again, it's, and Al's given us everything. So let me, let me ask you guys this. I mean, what's, what's the ceiling here? I mean, first of all, people can't look past the Heat. The Heat obviously beat the Celts two years ago in the bubble. Um, Time Lord's got to come back, I think, to really, you know, match up with, with the athleticism of, um, 
Oh, who's their big? Uh, doesn't matter. Bam. Not Bam Margera, but yeah. the other Bam. No. Anyway, but the bottom line is, you know, I don't think the Suns are as good as we all thought. They're struggling right now. The Warriors obviously are, are you know, the Warriors, but they might lose to the Mavericks tonight. I mean, I feel like puncher's chance in the next series, an absolute puncher's chance to win the title, and they could have been they could have been knocked out today despite winning winning six games in the series. Essentially, what's your Jeremy? What's your ceiling for the Celts? Championship. We just we just knocked out the champ, man. We, yeah. we beat the champs. I hear that. You, you know, I don't know. I don't want to play this game where I came from. If you knock out the champ, you're the champ until somebody says otherwise. I'll tell you what. At least it's, it's, it's certainly a confidence booster, and it's certainly yeah. it's certainly. You gotta go out there and you gotta play the Heat I, now. But they, personally, I think if the Bucks had played the Heat, they would have smoked them. Yes, it's kind of a better matchup for them. Yes. Um, but like with us, we're gonna have to do like death by a thousand cuts a few different ways. But the Celtics are so damn resilient right now that they're they're playing poorly and they're in games, and then they're like, they just rise from the dead and they got a six-point lead. Like, that first half of this game, yep. perfect example of it. Like, they played like crap. They missed a million shots. They were all out of sorts. They definitely were not in their flow. And they're up and five. It's halftime, they're up five. Yeah. And the other teams just got to be, they, they definitely have, there's a rope-a-dope element to it where they just keep taking punches and they just keep standing there grinning at you. Yep. And, like... I think that Tatum can can handle Butler enough, and I think that you know Bam Adebayo. We've got like three guys that can kind of like chip. We just dealt with Giannis. Yeah, right. Is Bam got Bam's Bam? No, I mean the best player in the league is Giannis. Absolutely, Giannis. Like he's not even like. Yeah. I mean, like we just dealt with Giannis, and then we got Hero and um, what's his name? That Robinson, Duncan Robinson. Robinson. I mean, give me a break, like. Look, they're they're going to win a couple of games because those guys are going to blow up at home. Home games are for role players, but I just feel like the Celtics are just too deep and too strong, and they haven't even really played their best game yet. Because even their game that they blew out the Bucks for most of the game, it got a little bit uncomfortable coming down the home. Stretch. Correct, correct. They've yet to play a full game. Correct, Andrew. Uh, ceiling for you, and I think you're going to say something. If it's still relevant, feel free. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm only looking at this from a strictly storylines sense of perspective. And storylines, it's a championship season, right? Your first round in the playoffs is against the guy who ditched you and, and left you so yep. kind of high and dry, stomped on your logo. Yep. Um, you dispatch him. The second round is against the returning champs. Uh, I mean, the only better storylines, if either of those are the Eastern Conference Finals or the um, the, the NBA Finals, and then also you've got key contributors who were good here, left. Horford seemed washed up. Now he's the old man coming home and playing meaningful minutes and doing really well. And Face, who was here in Beloved, went somewhere else, was nothing, and brought back. And uh, he's back to doing what he did here. I think there's just... I think storylines, this is a, this is championship storyline team, right? Which would be so um, much fun, back to Jeremy's point, because it's all guys, for the most part, who were either drafted or who were acquired in some way and then either left and came back or who have been here kind of riding it out. And it's also that these guys figured it out, right? And Jeremy already alluded to this, but the, the one thing we haven't said explicitly, and everybody else has said it, but, you know, Marcus Smart f- becoming a, an actual NBA point guard instead of kind of a high-volume combo guard, um, when he well, embraced Greg that Stevens role, allowing him to become that, 
He's been on the team for like nine years. Correct, and correct. And trotted out one undersized point guard who can't defend after, after another. After yep. another, while Smart's just sitting there, uh, uh, you know, it kind of in the wrong, a square peg in a round hole. Like, he's not good enough of a scorer to be a true two, but, like, you know, he's too good to not play or to be a six-man. And finally, like, you know, Brad was like, look, Danny, like, you were so close on this, but, like, you traded Tice because I didn't want to play him anymore. I need a guy Tice out there, you know? Like, I can't have a five foot eleven point guard who doesn't want to play defense. I can't have that. Like, and he, he moved the piece. He reshuffled the pieces yeah. because he knew the team and what they needed more than anything. And then they brought in a great coach. They did. And tell you what, Udoka's done an unbelievable job. Props to Ime. I mean, and by the way, He's so calm. his He's girlfriend so is Nia Long. The, the legendary Nia Long is his, is his lady friend, love interest, whatever. I mean, that's the most underrated thing. It's like Craig's girlfriend from Friday is your real-life girlfriend, and you're, and you're the coach of the Celtics, and you're crushing it? That's awesome, dude. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, Good for you. You know what I mean? It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal stuff. Big Neil Long fan, not going to lie. Big Neil Long fan. Um, all right. Let's I, – I agree. Championship, not our bust. Like, I won't be disappointed. But getting to the finals with this squad and being the resilient team that, you know, lost game five going back to Milwaukee and then finding a way to win two must winners in a row in going away fashion, in my opinion – just a great team to get behind. I'm super excited. I'm glad we could talk about it. And I'm glad it kind of saved the weekend because let's switch gears to the bees, guys. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, Andrew, I know, I know you're a bees fan. I know you basically watch every single game. It was the most predictable seven-game series of all time in that the team that was at home was going to look great. Yeah. But the Bruins did make it interesting late Last night, how are you doing? And while you're talking, I might try to find our friend Cindy Harrington to join us as well. But you, you feel free to let it rip here. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, where, Jeremy, you were saying how fun the Celtics team is to root for because it's guys they brought up or guys that, that have meaning here. I mean, you look at the Bruins and you think back to what could have been. Like, with this crew to only win one Stanley Cup is a shame. Um yeah. For Patrice only to get one, for Marchie only to get one, and you're at the end of that. I mean, this series marks the end of it. I, does Bergeron retire? I, I don't know. Does he go somewhere else? I, I'm thinking he might. Um, what what happens with Marshawn? So it's just an inglorious way to go out to what should have been a very promising potential dynasty run, whatever that meant, however many championships you could have gotten out of that. They should have um, won the Blues. They should have won the Blues yes. series. They should have two. True. At, the, at least, at least, and they could have. And that, that the bubble year too, twenty twenty, they were really good. Serious. Um, yeah, yeah, but they, you know, the they should have had a few. Blackhawks earned that. I yeah. feel like the blue, the Blues. I'm still sour about that. That was a tough one. Speaking of people yeah. who are sour about that, thirty-seven <laughs> and a half weeks pregnant, Cindy Harrington, <laughs> super fan of the bees. Hey guys. Hey, hey. Cindy. How's it going? You've reached the Good. stage of pregnancy where people look at you with a worried look in their eyes all the time? Yeah, sure, sure do. Whew. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> so that being said, we had a waitress yesterday who asked Cindy if she wanted her, her mocktail with alcohol yesterday, looking right at her 37-week <laughs> stomach. So that lady was clearly on autopilot. <laughs> um, <laughs> phenomenal moment, though, at brunch. So, Cindy, 
watch the bees, and you like Andrew are now happy to see he's won because it, 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 it you know keeps the spring going. But I just don't want to only watch the Red Sox right now. Yeah, but how's your? I mean, you're a big Bergeron fan. Probably you said yeah. your favorite Boston athlete of the last gen, this generation. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Most underrated superstar athlete of of Boston, I would say, actually. And so you think he's done? I. I fear he acted like it was his last game at the end of that series yesterday, but I don't know. Maybe he hasn't made his decision yet, so he kind of was just acting that way anyways, but I wouldn't be surprised. He's got three little kids. He's got a ton of head injuries. He's probably one head injury being away from having some really longstanding damage, so I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be really bummed. Chuck went up, though. Yeah. Absolute legend. Go ahead. To go to your point of him being, I completely agree with him being maybe the most underappreciated athlete in, in Boston history. Uh, back when Curtis from Walpole was a sports radio caller, mm-hmm. he one time was compelled to call up um, 98.5 The Sports Cup because a few callers earlier had said that to win the Stanley Cup that year, all the Bruins needed was something like another Patrice Bergeron. <laughs> like the girl on trees. <laughs> and, and, in what other sport, what other athlete in Boston history would have been the best on their team? And someone would have suggested, oh, you know, he's a, he's a piece. Right. We just need another Larry Bird right. and we'll be all set. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, no, he's he's the whole thing, man. Yeah, he's the real deal. Yeah. Tip of the cap to Bergie. If he gets the Selkie again this year, I think that's a record for one player. Mm. Really? Yep. Yeah, I mean that's not surprising. Yeah, absolutely. So I do agree with JJ that it's it's fitting, especially because he was, he was still fairly young, or certainly in his young prime when they won an eleven. That you know, three cup appearances. Who knows what would have happened in twenty if the bubble didn't kind of come in like five months later? They kind of lost their mojo by then. Feel like, but I feel like the most locked in Tuca ever was 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 right before COVID hit. Yeah, and then on you know honestly, but that's one of those teams that twenty eleven Bruins like Timmy Thomas. Was just literally out of his mind, but also out of his mind as a goalie, and that's that's just the one level Tuca could never quite get to because in the playoffs, if a goalie stands on their head, even if it's four times in a series, like the damn Blues rookie that year, Biddeford, whatever his name was, you, yeah, you, the puck bounce is funny. So it's a bummer. It's I was bummed out, you know, uh, because honestly, I thought if they had won that game and found a way to get Swayman through. You know, they might have been able to have a little alligator blood in the next round against either the Pens or the, the Rangers. Rangers. Has that game happened, by the way? Is that today? That's today. It's tonight, right? 7 today. o'clock? So anyway, I'm bummed for the Bees. It, it, it probably is going to be a multi. You guys all agree kind of a, a big shakeup coming? Yeah, I, for sure. Um, and it's a teardown and rebuild. Yeah. I, I think you need to, if you're going to do a teardown and rebuild, um, I don't have much faith in your current GM. Mm. Um, Sweeney. Yeah, I mean, was it what was the year that they had three first round draft picks? I mean, sure, you picked up DeBrusque, but who were the other two? Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it'll so be interesting. If you're, if you're looking for youth, he is he has not really shown a good eye for youth talent. As far as I'm concerned, a true teardown is <laughs> starts with that position. So true. Right. True. Uh, I think we could be looking at a team that we barely recognize by um, you know next fall. Well, you know, if you want to put a, a silver lining on that, I mean. How fun has it been? for? And the Celtics rebuild, the true rebuild was only really one year. They had to kind of be in the tank, and they, they still made the playoffs somehow. They had one bad year. But to then do it on your own again, if the Bruins can do it again, and I think they will because it's a great hockey town, 
And, you know, they'll figure it out over the next five years, hopefully, in terms of being a contender. It'll be that much more fun if they put it together with the new group, whoever they are. But it becomes a big what if, and you're saying goodbye to guys like Bergie, maybe. Whew, that's tough. Sad. Yeah. Tuca, gone, obviously, already, but still. He's still in the organization, though. Well, there you go. Uh, Cindy, anything else on the Beast? Um, no. I, I mean, I think the better team won yesterday. It wasn't uh, there. Defensively, Carolina was just so good, and we really just couldn't get anything going. Yeah, and we no got real, zero breaks. Yeah. No real plan in the in the in that end, and really hard getting over the neutral zone. Yeah, neutral zone was a nightmare, <laughs> absolute nightmare. And for a seven game series, it sure didn't feel close either. Correct. Yeah, they just didn't. I mean, have I thought that after game fire. two, I'm like, this series is over. Yeah, I was like, this is gonna be a five game series. Yeah. And I'm, I'm and next proud. Thing you know, we're in Game Seven, and I'm like, "Hey, you know, we got a shot." And then <laughs> next thing you know, it's three to one. And I'm like, "Yeah, we don't have a shot." Yeah. 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 My brother, my brother is a huge Celtics fan, um, and not much, and a very casual Bruins fan. But I remember he texted, we like, we text each other, "How are you feeling about the Game Seven? Mm-hmm. And his reaction to the Game Seven was, he was, he was confident. He was like, "I think they're going to be able to do this in some yada yada." And my reaction to the Bruins Game Seven was just. Well, I'm glad they made it a series. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> they, they, went out, they went out. They went out on their like swords. The difference between the two series. Yeah, they went out on their swords, but they were definitely outgunned, especially defensively, relative to each other. It was like a sports yeah. movie ending, but it was about Carolina. Yes, Carolina were the good guys in this movie. <laughs> right. A quote unquote hockey town. Hockey. Raleigh. Yeah, hockey. Carolina. All right, give Actually, me a break. This is a good moment to do this because I got enough people in the room to counterbalance <laughs> me if necessary. So last night on his sign-off, Jack Edwards, Bruins play-by-play guy, said, Finally, Raleigh is a hockey town. First of all, you're the Bruins announcer, and usually your hyperbole is way out of, way I out of line. I think was Jack Edwards. I think that was the other guy. No, I changed it over to Nesson. Oh, okay. It was definitely Jack. Okay. Because Steve Levy wouldn't have said that because he doesn't care. He's actually a... Anyway, Jack Edwards. <laughs> Jack Edwards and Scalabrini. So... Worst play-by-play guy in Boston is Jack Edwards. Worst color guy local is Scalabrini. Put them together and put them yeah. to watch the New England Revolution so I never have to pay attention to it because I would never listen to them on the radio. Uh, and that's what I would want because I just can't stand Jack Edwards. Cindy doesn't mind him that much. I, he's very polarizing. People either love him or hate him. Andrew, I just love your take on it. Or, or, he is awful. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. He's awful. Thank you. He is. He I, it is the only time a local team is on and also on nationally that I will forego the local announcers yes. and watch the it national. It is literally program. a 180 from what you're supposed to do. Here is Jack Edwards in a nutshell. <laughs> that hit on Lindholm in game two. Yes. That was a very clean hit. That was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Unfortunately for Lindholm, he got he got rocked, but his head was down. It was a clean hit. Yeah. Jack Edwards spent four and a half minutes ranting <laughs> about how dirty that hit was and ignoring everything else going and on. And he's the, the play-by-play guy. He's not the color yes. guy. It, it, that, Tell me what's that, happening. That was, I switched. I could not watch Nesson anymore after that. Jack Edwards broke me this season. <laughs> Thank you. I am so glad we're simpatico. This was not planned. JJ, do you ever watch the local feed or you're in L.A.? You don't give a darn. <laughs> he's a mascot at this point. You know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> That's a fair assessment. That's not bad. That's good. He's Johnny Most without the character, without the you know the character in his, in his well, voice. Yeah, I mean the mascots that we grew up with were actually good at their job, but you know you reach a certain point where it's kind of like a lifetime achievement award just to keep showing up. Mm. And um, he's in that stage of his career, but he was never really that like 
great of an announcer, you know. Yeah. yeah. He was on the duck boats when they won in 2011. And that was great because it was 11 years ago. Yeah. And we hadn't had 11 yeah. more years. I was actually Edwards. surprised he was on the duck boats. I was kind of like, oh, wow. He's All a right. Bruins employee. Get that yeah. guy a life jacket. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> quack, quack. Yeah. Throw him overboard. Jack Edwards can swim? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, all right, we'll switch to the socks. Cindy, sorry about the bees. Yeah. Good luck with the... Uh, the bassinet. Yeah, we gotta talk about that. Can't wait. <laughs> On our next episode, bassinet talk. Bye, guys. Game seven with the bassinet. See you, Cindy. All right, guys. The good news about all of this, at least the Celtics part of it, is the Red Sox actually won a series this weekend, which is yeah. better. They have double-digit wins, ten wins, I believe. Finally, it's May fifteenth, but better late than never. Um, do we think the last few days is a bit of a like the the, the average the the mean returning to the mean in terms of results or is this a flawed franchise still in your opinion here in 2022? Um, if you had asked me after a, the first week of the season, if this had happened in week two of the season, I would have said, well, yeah, obviously this is who the team is going to be um, moving forward. This this is this is who you have. Um, I don't know if I can say that anymore. I've lost so much confidence in this team. Uh, the lineup was so putrid for a month that your strength was, what, the starting pitching? Mm. Um, which you know is not going to. If you give me, like, that's not going to last all season. And the Red Sox very quickly put them in themselves in a position where um, they need everything to click for the rest of the year. And I think the offense potentially can click for the rest of the year. I do. Um this pitching staff is not holding up the rest of the year without some serious upgrade. And are you trading for this Red Sox team? You are not. Right. JJ, where are you at, man? They're just so flaccid. <laughs> it's just like, <clears throat> it's depressing, you know, and they just kind of take turns uh, failing, and whether it's the offense or the starters or the relievers. The starting pitching is not a strength just because they've come out of the gates well. Everybody across the league hitting was down. We all thought that the short um, spring training would lead to poor pitching, but I think what it seems to have done is it, it gave the uh, the pitchers about a month's head start on like you know the pitchers being the hitters being behind on fastballs and breaking pitches, mm-hmm. and that's not going to last. And it's just. It really bums me out because this team needed um, needed a couple more pitchers, and they didn't have to break the bank and trade away the farm to get them. They could have gotten some pitchers who were who were professional major league baseball pitchers, so they could bump two of the guys out of the rotation and put them in the bullpen to stabilize the bullpen. And you know, I hate I, I don't know how much how much a hitting coach can have to do with the um, with the actual you know offensive output of a bunch of professional hitters as talented as these guys but like their whole approach seems to have changed and they changed hitting coaches after the season they they take the wrong pitches they swing at the wrong pitches they don't seem to have like a cohesive like team strategy in terms of like all right we're gonna take pitches or we're gonna hit this guy we're gonna do damage early they just kind of seem like they're out there you know, punching in a brown paper bag and they just don't have a strategy at the plate. And yeah. it's it's just it's just a missed opportunity with the energy that we had coming off of last year. And I'm just worried that Heim Bloom 
is like he's surfing a little too much on the Ben Charrington model where mm. he's not he doesn't mm-hmm. want to get rid of the guys. I'm not asking you to trade your best prospects. I'm not asking you to empty out the uh, you know the farm. Yeah, not not, not Dave Dombrowski yeah, by any stretch. I don't want the Dombrowski. Right. I just, right. We had a chance here because here's what's going to happen: Gina Martinez gone, Xander Bogarts yeah gone. Okay, like we're going to be a completely different team next year. There's no. I saw some stupid article a couple months ago. I was like, "This is a bridge year." I'm like, "To what?" Right. You've got right. you got all stars in the lineup right now. Like a young team that's like ascending. Like this is like a, yeah. it's a team that's really expensive. It's a it's an unevenly constructed roster. Last year was a it was a mirage. It was an anomaly. Right, but it was fun yeah. as hell. So double down, right? Well, like, but, like just keep building on it. Right. Like, go out and yes. get get a right handed hitter. Like get two more pitchers that. There were guys available in Oakland that were like, they didn't go for that much, man. Like, what, what are we hanging on to these? Yeah. Guys? Is Tristan Casas going to carry the roster for the next 10 years? Francie Cordero. Come on, man. We're right. like six freaking first basemen in the system. They're all supposed to be good. And every year, they come up, and they're not. Yeah. I was going to say, and they're often very clearly not good. If you could trade anybody... For a guy that you know can go out there and give you, like... Like, Rodriguez drove us all crazy, okay? But, like, he went out there every five days and he was a starting pitcher. You didn't know what you were going to get out of him, but sure. at least he was a starting pitcher. Yeah. He'd give you innings. some months, he was like a Cy Young-type starting pitcher. And some months, I don't know, I guess he doesn't figure out how to stop tipping his pitches or whatever. But, like, you, you just, like, you didn't know what you were going to get with him. But he was a professional starting pitcher at the Major League Baseball level. They don't just grow on trees. Like, if you get a chance to get one that's not 42, you do yep. it. Yeah. We, we, we whiffed on those chances this year. And that At seems to be the difference. Trade Xander. If, I swear to God, if they don't trade Xander, and then when you reach the end of the season, and he walks for nothing. That's terrible. Be furious. That's terrible. Okay. And it just, it makes, like, look, John Henry and its ownership group has brought us um, riches that we never could have imagined as young men and baseball fans. But another thing he's done is consistently let fan-favorite stars leave when they still Uh have a lot in the tank over and over and over again. The arbitration-eligible contract system in baseball, it drives me nuts I re- like in the Red Sox, they just love to play that game. Like, well, technically, right. we have you in arbitration. Like, we'll throw you an extra like three hundred thousand, <laughs> and we'll keep you on the book. Like, when Mike Trout came up, the Angels were like, "Look, technically, we could pay you like six fifty k for the next like six years, but like, here's a huge deal right now. But we're going to get a discount on the back years because we're paying up front for the front years." The Red Sox haven't done that in years. Right. And here we are again. Like, the players are mad at them. It's a contentious between the manager, the upper management, and the owners and the players. They love Cora. They love each other. They love playing in Boston for the most part. But they're, they want to stick it to the man because they got the the pale, soft-talking billionaire sitting on his boat telling him, well, technically, we don't have to pay you until 2023. Right. Well, guess what year next yeah. year is? 2023. It's unbelievable. We yeah. We're going to start all over again. 
Again. Yeah, Start all over again, again, by the way. It's just some steady, consistent guy, like a teams that can compete year in and year out. And when the timing is right, you get that extra guy or two and you go over the top and you go for it. It's what we should be doing every year. It's what we should have been doing every year for the last 10 years. And it's a, it's a, it's a travesty. It's a, it's a, a sham mockery. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been like that for this long. I mean, since Theo left, it's been this like EKG monitor and up and down and up and down and up and down and we're on the way down again, guys. And the summer is not going to be entertaining. The yeah. Celtics are going to be done in like a month at best. And we're all going to turn over and we're going to look at Ness and we're going to be like, really? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah. That's... I, the, the most frustrating part out of all of that, too, is not just that they should have and would have, but they were in a position where they could have. Yes. And it was just so obvious what they should do. And they just refused. And they got too cute. And they pissed off Mookie Betts. And their chase came out of town. And now you're going to piss off Xander Bogarts. And you're going to chase him out of town. And you're going to be like, but we assigned Trevor Story. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Don't you guys like Trevor Story? Not when he's um, hitting 116. A couple of years. This they're year. They're going to tell us. Wink, yeah. wink. Right. They're going to tell the us how. That, Trevor. Yeah, it's They're going to tell us how um, they went over the luxury tax. When people complain that Xander is, well, we went over the luxury tax. We don't know. What we're spending the money. They, they're they too cute for their own regard. It, it's very obvious what they do, and it's become incredibly frustrating. Yes. And now comes the overreaction. Now comes the, yeah. the Carl Crawford. Uh, right, buying a guy for 110. Yeah, exactly. Where right. we go out and get the guys that suck. Right. To replace the guys Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Instead yeah, of. Should have been on the team already. Yeah, Pablo Sandoval was getting paid till last year. The leader of this franchise right now. Right. And he's, he's still hitting great. Yeah. And yeah. He, they're going to let him walk. Yeah. Yeah, here's this. Like, we're going to put Trevor Story, who can't, he can't hit. Right. Here's the secret. He here's the, half the pitchers in the league. Right. And he's like, he. He's scared to talk to the press when he goes over four. And he's in Boston now, not Colorado. Yeah, that's the that's the biggest part. He's like, don't either. don't bring in yeah, don't bring in guys we don't know are going to be good here or not. Bring in guys who have done it here, who want to be here, who the fans love. And even when they struggle, even when they struggle, right? Even when they struggle, we're all going to like get through it together because we've all been through it together. But when you bring in yeah, Carl Crawford, Pablo Sandoval. Adrian Gonzalez and Adrian Gonzalez like we play too many primetime games. All right, cool, thanks, loser. Like get out of town. Like thanks a lot. Xander Bogarts, go, you know, he starts out zero and two, and there's two men on, and we're down a run, and he falls off a couple pitches, and he can't catch up to when he strikes out. I'm okay with that because I've watched that guy figure it out. Is that bad at zero yeah. two? Yes. Since he was a child in the playoffs. Yes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is what Xander does. I know there's a like a four out of ten chance he's going to hit the ball where somebody isn't in that exact situation. Trevor Story comes in and I'm like, can he even hit like left-handers? Like, can can he? You know what? What are can we doing? Can he hit a fastball? Here? Right. Can he catch up to an outside pitch? Yeah. Yeah. I would say I would just I would some team sucks. Yeah. And everyone's just playing out the spr- the string, enjoying their you know road trip in Colorado. You're going to get pitches to hit because it doesn't matter. You're just playing baseball for millions of dollars. You're playing in Boston. <laughs> it matters. They're trying to beat you, right. and they're trying to beat you to go to the playoffs. 
and they're trying to beat you because they want to shut that crowd up so they can relax a little bit because they're tired of getting screamed at. Yeah. And Most Trevor's just not ready for that. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. You, you guys summed it up, though. Too cute is the, the model, and then it gets you what you got. So the good news is, and you alluded to it, JJ, and we'll wrap up here, if the Celtics can give us another month or five weeks and, you know, the Patriots will report for, for you know, training camp in the end of July, we really only have to fully focus on this team uh, if they're useless for about five weeks. And uh, that's really the best we can ask for right now. Now, they play a lot of games. Maybe they'll keep turning it around. But I am so glad the Celtics won today. You're so out of it, dude. It's over. Yeah, I mean, the first month. All I mean, I agree. I agree. I agree. In all those games, they, they can turn it around and it's still only win 85. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can't do that in this division. That those right. games are all against division opponents. That's correct. That's correct. And so anyway, the good news is we don't have to start thinking about these guys on May 15th with the Patriots not reporting until, you know, July 25th. We, we might get another month out of the Celts, and we didn't get it out of the Bruins, but mercifully, folks, this will be the last Sports Jerks featuring the Red Sox, probably for quite some time, because you know what? They just didn't. Have, they just didn't have it in them. So oh, we're, we're gonna, we are going to reconvene when Xander Bogarts is traded for a good old hate session. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the, oh, blame yeah. blame pie is coming. Yeah. yeah absolutely. There is going to be. I want the baby confused because daddy's mad. Everybody, <laughs> with the purple in the face. Yeah. I don't know why this guy is angry. He's never been angry before, but suddenly he's yelling, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'll either do that, or I'm gonna have to go over to Andrew Patterson's deck so we can, uh, you know, save the baby. But either way, we, may I suggest a um, a, a vehicle sound booth? Um, I'll tell you what. Years into this game, I'll tell you what. There could be a second sound booth getting added to this podcast feed. I'll tell you guys that right now. Oh wow! Luckily, yeah, I recommend it. Luckily, it's a luckily it's a par- it's parked across the street and it's ready to roll. So we got that going for us. All right, Jen, stick around for a second. Celtics, congratulations. Bruins, condolences. Red Sox, pound sand. Andrew and Jeremy, thanks for being on, guys. Philibusterfreestyle.com. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, fellas. Thank you.